0: This episode of Today Maybe Forever is presented in collaboration with the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs. This is Today Maybe Forever, and I'm Floyd Hall. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Kamance Dance Theater. And we're here currently in the gallery space of uh, Gallery 72 here with the city of Atlanta. Now, I want to bring into the conversation the brain trust of Komansi Dance Theater. Camille, Rihanna, and Tanisha, welcome.
1: Hi. Hi. How y'all doing? <laughs> good. Doing Very good. Tired.
0: So, you all are on the verge of your second production uh, entitled Skid. This is your first production mm-hmm. as Komansi, but not your first production as a team. So. Take me back to uh, 2017 when you all put on Inhuman as Rain Dance Theater. Uh, talk about what's, what's changed from then to now and uh, that growth from uh, that two-year stint in working up to this next production.
1: I'll go first. Camille. Um, for me, um, I feel like from Inhuman to Skid, we've grown a lot in terms of logistics and planning, and Rihanna has done better with delegation, and because of the dividing and conquering, I feel like we're able to produce more efficient manner the show. And firstly for me, my growth from um, last year to this year, would, as an artist, um, with these companies, I felt um, me taking more ownership of the stuff I create and making sure it has meaning and purpose, and not it's not just something that looks cool. And I really appreciate um, the team for helping me um, develop ideas and um, inspire me to do more with my work. Well, first of all,
0: let's let's before we go further, I want to make sure everyone uh, knows your roles. So I, I want to make sure everyone kind of says that. So Camille. You kind of talk, but what is what is your role?
1: I'm the brand director for the company, which means I regulate the website and I make all visual content. Oh, not all visual. I make all GIFs and pictures and flyers, um, we also have a videographer as well, but um, I usually create the promo for the show or the, just the company and I made the logo.
2: Uh, my name is Tanisha Wooden. I am the Eternal, internal,
1: <laughs> internal
2: affairs director. Um, that's basically, I manage the company, kind of. I um, do, uh, I work with the dancers. I do contracts. I do a lot of administration <laughs> and a logistical work, uh, emails back and forth. Um, and the
3: team. You and oh, the team.
2: team. I like manage the team and like make sure they have everything they need. And uh, keep me on track. Oh, yes, that is a big part of that. <laughs> I keep Rihanna on track because um, artists <laughs> kind of go wild. They just have a lot of ideas. <laughs> they go wild, you know? It's okay, but um, yeah.
3: Um, and my name is Rayana Brown, and I'm the artistic director and founder of Comance. So I make all of the dances, the artistic decisions. I don't make all of them, but they have to be approved by me. Um, and then like they were saying we did very much so work together so even though we all have our, like our individual things that we're in charge of um, that's kind of like the process that we own but we all work together on pretty much everything um, yes
0: from 2017 up to now what's what's changed um, how have you grown and uh, what does it feel like right now
3: I think a big change um, would be that we're not it's not our first rodeo anymore <laughs> so we don't feel <laughs> we don't feel necessary like we have to prove ourselves um, and because of that I think we're able to take more time and actually do a better job of proving ourselves um, because it doesn't feel things feel a little bit more thoughtful this time so even just the name like last time rain the name was rain because i I liked the rain, and then we added an eye because it looked cool um, and that was really like that was why it was called that there was really no further explanation and then we eventually figured out like rain is like cleansing and like that's cool, but it it really didn't have like a meaning to it um but for this company Comanse means the beginning in Haitian Creole and my family, my dad's side is Creole and then the colors for the logo I have like the colors of a Phoenix and so I'm from Atlanta, my mom's side is from Atlanta and the city of Atlanta has this idea of like rebirth and then Phoenix kind of looks like a sunrise so it all kind of ties together a little bit more um, and with the name of The Beginning we want to be the beginning of conversations or the catalyst for a lot of social activism going on through through art we want to be that catalyst Um, and as far as like where we are now with this show um, I think last time we really wanted to just have people in the room because we I knew we would sell out but you know I was still worried (laughs) Um, But I think this time we're being very specific and directed about making sure we also have the right people in the room to make sure that we can continue to do projects like this and Kamatse can continue to grow even more um, towards our goals of touring nationally and internationally um, and making even more of a bigger social impact. Um, So I feel like we're definitely doing more of that this year. Um, Also this year we've already sold more tickets than we sold last year. We've sold over 1,200 tickets at this point. Um, and we are going to sell out so get your tickets soon. Um, but that's also, it's just a, it's a very surreal feeling at times. I think we're constantly like going, especially right now it's crunch time. We're always doing work for the company. Um, but you can ask Tanisha, there's always moments where I'm like, hey, like, we're actually doing this, this is crazy. Like people are buying tickets to the show. So I think there's a lot of moments, especially when people are like, oh yeah, I've heard of this company before I've even met them or before we've had that conversation with them. Those moments are very surreal. Um, I just feel really hopeful and blessed and excited to have the opportunity to put this art out into the world.
0: Let's talk about Skid. What, what prompted this investigation um, or this intersection of, of ideas um, that the audience will, will receive in Skid? Like, what, what was the, uh, the catalyst for that?
3: Let's see. Um, It was really, like, oh, uh, I think it was a culmination of, like, my lived experience being in Atlanta and seeing, like, the city change and also the way... Uh, our city on a systematic and also a personal level treats um, marginalized people which because we're such a black city, like yeah there's a lot of like and there's still racism because we're in the south but one of the most marginalized groups is like the homeless population in our city and so I've always, like ever since the last show I've always been interested in this idea of the dehumanization of different groups of people and like how that can happen Um, and so because of that it's kind of like a natural i guess like a natural progression of for me to look at a more specific group following in human um, and so i even from when i was younger i've always tried to i guess be aware about how i interact with like people who are experiencing homelessness because um, that's kind of how my mom is and how like my dad like that's how my family is um, like always asking like even if someone is asking for money or you don't know. You may not even know that they're homeless. Like not saying like, oh yeah, here's money. But like, how's your day? Or like, are you doing okay today? Or just like having a normal conversation? Because I feel like a lot of times um, people are identified as other, and they're not given that space for normal human interaction or human empathy. Um, and so I guess the night that really I remember this night, I was at CVS near on Ponce, near Whole Foods. Like I went to. I don't even know what I went to buy, like some lip gloss or something, nothing important. Um, And there was a a man in the parking lot, I think he had on like a military tag, that's what called, tags, military tags. And I watched him like walk around to different cars um, and ask people like, I really need some money just to go here, like is there any way you can help me? And he was like being very nice, like seemed very personable, but I was talking to my mom on the phone in the car, so I watched that and then... When I went inside, he asked me, if I I didn't have any change, but I went and got um, cash back and like brought him some money. And it was just interesting, like afterwards we had a conversation and it was interesting to watch his whole like body language and demeanor shift from when he was talking to people who were constantly ignoring him versus like when people have like interaction with him or had a real conversation and I texted my family and I was like I know what the show needs to be about <laughs> it's about like how like not being given the space to live and exist um affects you like emotionally, spiritually, mentally um, and so that way it's not just like the show isn't just about homelessness it's about this idea of space and being given like space being um, kind of a sign of importance. So if you're constantly being pushed to the side or if your humanity is being denied or your story is being pushed to the side, then like what does that be to your mental space? And that happens to like us as black women or to black men. It happens that happens to everyone. In some aspect of your life that happens to everyone. So that's kind of where why I stuck with the name. Like skid obviously comes from Skid Row, um, which in some cities is like a location or just kind of a Something to identify where a lot of homeless people live, but it's also kind of focusing on this idea of being pushed to the side and confined, or like in as far as like projects go, like being pushed into a smaller space versus like a larger space. Um, and like, what does that mean in, in terms of society? Um, and like you said, the show has a lot of layers. I'm pretty sure I missed a lot of things. What else, There's, what else is important? Are you gonna talk about the costumes?
2: Costumes.
0: Well, I want to get to that in a second. There's more layers, definitely, but yeah.
2: that's kind of the idea. I mean, that was the catalyst.
0: How has Atlanta changed for, for you all when it comes to maybe what we're talking about as far as the show, as far as gentrification, as far as homelessness? What have, what have you all seen? Um, how does Atlanta feel to you um, in this current space?
1: Personally, for me, um, while exploring Atlanta, sometimes I will come across like new shopping centers, new apartments, people, and you know, while, yes, they look nice, it's like for me to kind of engage with them, I feel some maybe like cognitive distance because for me to be working on a project that's related to, I feel like to um, be around such gentrification can be a bit complex, and so most of the time I will try to engage the businesses and the black people.
3: I think it's not necessarily that the city has changed. I mean, the city is changing, but I think it's my awareness of it that's also shifted a lot Um, more than necessarily the speed that the city is changing. I feel like the system kind of feeds itself. And so it's kind of a steadily turning machine and I think the Super Bowl is definitely gonna shift a lot of things in a negative direction, uh, perhaps. but. As far as um, like the city changing, I think it's kind of a constant thing. But I'm, I guess, entering for real adulthood now, and with the state of the country and like all those things, I am more aware of like how these things are affecting marginalized people. Um, and I went to a talk, I think it was last year, about um, gentrification and how like the beltline is really like this. 20-year plan for gentrification that started with like the '96 Olympics, and it just kind of—I think that really was a moment where it set in for me that like gentrification is not just like um, like uh, white people coming in and saying like, "Oh, this is our space now," but it's like a—it's literally like a system that functions and has been set into stone or like set and planned for so long. Like for that to have been planned in the '96 Olympics based on like the white flight that happened and it's like this plan to like reverse that um and kind of knowing that and then watching the progression of the belt line and then the super bowl being here and i know like every time i see a person who i guess looks as und- someone someone i think that this city might classify as undesirable near the is it called the superdome still or the Mercedes-Benz, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. whatever the oh, superdome <laughs> I, I don't know, I get this like immense sense of worry because I feel like as soon as that hits, like a lot of people are gonna be pushed out of their homes or um, it's hard to see the good sides to stuff like that when you're doing projects like this and you're so invested in that aspect of the city. Um, but yeah, I would say it's more so my awareness has shifted than
0: anything else. Let's talk about the technology. Um, I feel like with in human, there was um, a very interesting and like compelling like digital component uh, of that show that was visually stimulating. Yeah. The projection mapping was really amazing. Um, talk about how technology is playing a role in this current uh, production.
2: Um, so for this current production, one of um Our favorite parts about it is actually the 3d printed fashion designer um, that we have working on the show with us her name is Shami Oshun right? Oshun. Oshun. Shami Oshun. (laughs) My bad, I apologize Shami. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we have 3d printed um, costuming and so that looks like and feels like something that's like innovative and revolutionary because you don't see people dancing in like 3D printed things. People haven't even heard of like 3D printed attire, yeah. like fashion. And it's not like a block, like our, our costumes <laughs> don't look like no, someone's wearing a they block. Move. They move, they look like we have, she sends us videos all constantly. And so we've seen um, the way that they move and we've seen that technology has increased to the point where it's easy to supply things that people need, and it's just about who holds that right, like who holds that technology and who's able to access it, and how can we use it. And so part of the 3D printing was um, the look of like modular design and creating like instant homes and things like that, so it always comes back to the genesis of the... Well, yes, that too. Now, always comes back to the genesis of like the show theme and things like that. But then, when you talk about equity and resources and access to things, how can we use three D printed technology to create a better environment for those around us? Like, we can print houses
3: for like, and they they you can buy a three D printed house, I think, for like five thousand dollars. So the we have this like big idea that you know, we hope works out, but, um, we're really interested in working with cities to, because um, there's always, like, a social activism part to our projects, working with cities to 3D print houses for, like, lower income, and also, um, also a very big aspect to it that may not, may or may not, may not work out, but in a lot of the interviews that we've watched, like, research we've done, a lot of people have said, like, if you have anything on your background check, it's very hard to get, um, like housing. So for example if you were experiencing homelessness for a while and you had to sleep in a building to stay warm and then you got that ends up on your record or you got arrested for sleeping on public property which by the way it's not illegal to be homeless but it is illegal to live on public land so it's illegal to be homeless at the end of the day um, or it's criminalized and so if you have that on your record you can have income and you can have a source of money but they will not offer you low income housing because it's run by the government and so a lot of people who do have jobs or are able to pay for somewhere to live literally are not allowed to and so we're trying to figure out ways that we can utilize 3D printing to create like homes for people who need them we're so very much so in the like trying to figure all of that out but that's kind of like a direction that we definitely want to see like our work going so that it's not just we want to be the start of conversations but we also want to make a large impact in the community so that's another reason that 3d printing fits in Um, but yeah we're really excited about working with Shami she's 19 and she's already like created her own like special secrets about how she 3d prints and stuff like that she's been in what is it British Vogue
2: some Team Vogue. Teen she was on that Essence. show in Canada. So
3: Stitched. Stitched, yeah, but mm-hmm. she's definitely like on her way up, but she's just getting started. So we're really excited that we get to work with her now. Um, and is there, I think that's it. But we're, we're, as far as like bringing technology and art together, the whole goal for me with my work is to show, because like I went to Georgia Tech, I went I went to Georgia Tech <laughs> and I, um, Like I very much so I'm immersed in like art world and a technology world like all the time. It's always crossing over. And so a lot of people say like, oh, when are you gonna stop doing this and start committing to this? And like I've committed to both. Um, But they're also not separate to me. I feel like they can, you don't have to force them to come together, but there are ways that they can work together to create these messages for social activism. So like for the last show, we were able to create a stage that changed all the time. And that, because of that, people were able to stay in the show and they were able to receive this message we were trying to say. So with this show, we're trying to create a look for our dancers or a feeling for our dancers. We're having a pre-show event where people can look at the costumes and, like, touch them, maybe, Um, but see how they're printed. But on the stage, like, we're not trying to say, this was 3D printed, look at how cool it looks 3D printed. We're trying to create this environment. So we really want to bring, like, technology and art together to create this, like, symbiotic relationship um, so that they can inform each other, and even with like the work that Camille does for the company, she's our branding director, but she um, her major is computational media, right? And so she, you want to talk about like what that is? I think that fits really well in this like intersection.
1: Yes, um, computational media basically, depending on what degree you choose, we combine the use of um, learning about theory behind artistics design um, to produce things that are within the media, whether that be animation. Um, something related to um, Pixar uh, animation, 3D modeling. Um, it could be coding. It could be anything. Anything that produces media through computer science is computation media. And personally, my threads are people and interactive media and experimental design. So I get to work with people to produce and curate specific experiences. Hopefully, as a future you will. profession. <laughs>
3: But, yeah, so even with, like, the advertising Camille, like, helps create for us, we almost always have, like, a moving advertisement, or we try to, (laughs) we definitely challenge her. We're like, can you make this picture do this Um, just from the picture? And then she's able to do that. So we always try to make sure we're kind of on the leading edge of both sides of, like, the art and the technology.
0: So when it comes to what happens on stage, given the social... Justice and activism parts of, of this, given the technology parts of this, how is all of that informing what actually happens on the stage when you're actually making and designing the movements that people are going to see?
3: That's a hard question. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think, I think the way that I, it's taken me a while to figure out what.
2: That's exactly how.
3: I was like, what
2: are you doing? Oh um, <laughs>
3: I think the way that I make work, um, I'm finally figuring out like what my process is is to me the most important thing is to be authentic. So you can ask them in rehearsal all the time, I'll be like, Does it make sense? Like I talk to myself a lot while I'm making things and the dancers will say this too, but I, if I make something or I'm making a movement, I'm like, does it fit? Does it make sense with all the research that I've done on this subject? Or with the images I've been looking at and I think that's kind of how it all ties together is everything has everything has to at the end they'd be able to be explained um, and not just like because I like the way it looks this type of explanation for me this is how I feel like the art that I'm creating is supposed to be and the type of art that I think I enjoy the most but I think it's also needed for other art to not be like that um, but so even with the costumes, like we sent Shami, I think a four-page document with all the things that we thought might make sense or might, that make sense to us, and she could pull from any of them. But that way, we get, I still wanted to give her the free range. because When I work with artists, I like to make sure that they. I'm not. I'm not a fashion designer, so I'm not gonna be like. This is what the costume should look like. It'll probably be horrible. Um, you should have seen my sketches. They're really bad. Straight jeans. <laughs> Hush. um but I lost my train of thought but I still want it to make sense with all the research that I'm doing so for some of the costumes for example um, could you, yo, you put it away um, for example we I'm really interested in the way that clothing um, for people who are um, incarcerated is made like it's one size fit all like we don't really care if it it's you um, so it's like loose and then um, I'm from Atlanta, so I'm just like the 2000s, like baggy capri jeans, and so I sent her like a picture of that. So we're trying to find how all these like layers, like, how all these layers, which is kind of what our lives are. We're like layers of our ancestors, of our future, of what we've experienced, what our parents experienced. All these things are within us, and so if you're able to tap into all of them within the movement within the way the stage is structured within the art that's being displayed on the stage within the costumes then you're able to bring people in in a way where they don't even have to think about it it's automatically relatable the music um, like for example we're using an instrumental of donk by soldier boy like if i hear that i'm already like like i love this because it feels it feels good to me but then the movement that the dancers are doing is reflective of that a lot of the movement in this show has this feeling of weird? oh like conjuring of like ancestors and like also just this release of like your humanity carving out a space yeah thank you thank you for <laughs> just reminding me um but all of that has meaning to it and like something behind it and so when you combine all of these things I think it gives the audience is space to just experience, like they don't have to think like, I wonder what, this I mean they can, like maybe they will think, I wonder what this means, but in the moment my goal is to layer everything so much with so much, um, not information that you have to, I don't know, that needs Animize. to be, yeah, but just information as in it's authentic, like it comes from, every movement is something, like if you, if we had time I could explain the whole show every movement and tell you like exactly what this means, exactly what that means. Um, and so I think that's how it all ties together and how it informs what's going on on stage.
0: I feel like when, when, you, when you say homelessness, when you say justification, when you <laughs> have the title Skid, thinking about Skid Row, um, you even weave in some James Baldwin in there, it feels very, very he- uh, very heavy. Yeah. With that being said, what's the, the energy of yeah. this performance like?
3: Do you guys want to talk? I, I would actually like to hear you guys' answers
2: and then I'll say what I'm going for. <laughs> okay, so or do you want have, you wanna You
1: haven't talked in a while. Personally I think I love you. that we're highlighting the resilience um, we resilience is a key word that always rings in my head when I think about inhuman and skin. Oh. And skin. And I'm scared. I'm scared. you're doing great. Keep talking. Okay. Um, we're talking about the resilience people and less talking about the sadness and heaviness around it but like how their personal experiences are and how they continue to push through beyond that through those um, obstacles and adversaries
2: Um, so how does it feel so it's not a when you watch the show you don't feel that everything's hopeless this is sad oh my gosh you genuinely look at it and you're like these people are experiencing rough stuff and then you look at your life and you're like i'm experiencing rough stuff and you realize that humanity as a whole does not leave when you experience harsh conditions like you are still a person who deserves empathy just as someone on the street is somebody who deserves empathy no matter why they're on the street are they walking down the street to go to work are they sitting on the street because that's where they live it doesn't matter because they're still human and you still you still need to respect their story and if you have the chance, interact with their story. Because I think a lot of people are stuck in their head about like, who the main character of the world is. And it's, it's you and your life, but everyone is the main character of their life and everyone has their story, everyone has their chance. And my favorite thing about the show is that, yes, it deals with some heavy topics, but you get to see like the joy of humanity. And I think that's an important aspect of it because that's how like culturally our people have gotten through things. Like hope, joy, dance, music, compassion, compassion. like reaching and pulling forth all of that energy from your ancestors to bring you to this day is exactly how you got here. <laughs> so Oh
3: guys, that was so good. I've had to cry. That was oh, really, Okay, you God. might get emotional. No,
2: no, no. That was
3: really good.
0: What um what a uh, Baldwin text are you pulling from?
3: Oh man, a lot of them. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I'm not your Negro. Um, you put me on to evidence of things not seen, which fits so perfectly into the show. Um, I have like this compilation of essays that I'm reading. Um, the fire next time. Okay. So uh, and when I'm reading them, it's not necessarily um, kind of to explain a little bit more about like what I'm trying to do with the show. I'm not necessarily looking for storyline anymore. We've got that. We've got, and it's not even really a storyline, I guess, like in the sense of like, this is how this starts and this is how it ends. We more so want to show like a snapshot or like these are are their lives and like, this is real life. Um, And so with the Baldwin text, um, there's a lot of like ideas that I've gotten from it, especially I'm Not Your Negro, but also just um, combating this idea, and I think he started, he really gave me the words to explain what I'm trying to do, but combating this idea that marginalized people, whether they're black people, poor people, homeless people, uh, women, what have you, (laughs) combating this idea that marginalized people are one dimensional, because I think that's really what allows you to classify them as other. If If I'm able to say, okay, this person, Who has been in jail before is now an inmate. They're not a person. They're an inmate or they're what is it? What is it when people are released from jail?
2: Ex-convict.
3: Ex-convict. Not a person who was committed, had committed a crime previously. I think language is really important in that way. But they're an ex-convict. That's okay. They're the stereotype would be like okay, well they're a bad person. Like they don't deserve to be able to live like in a nice place like they're probably going to commit a crime again like that's my classification I'm if if I do that then I'm no longer worried like okay who is this person's like mother do they have kids like do they have a family how do they feel about like what's their favorite food like I don't at that point none of that matters anymore and that allows me as a Per, like as a citizen I guess to not really give them any empathy at that point I'm able to classify them they're just a group they're, they're other from me and that's what I think I'm really trying to combat with my work and why we want to show the joy we want to show the pain we want to show the love the different layers to people who experience all these different things because then it forces you to be like oh maybe that guy who I see outside my apartment all the time isn't just like some guy who, you know, got on drugs and now he's on the street and wants money for, like, that's an easy narrative for me to deal with, but that's most likely not the case. Or even if it is the case, that's only one side of that person, like, I wouldn't want somebody to classify me by one thing in my life, so why would I want to do that to other people and literally create policies or live my life and my interactions with them based off that one definition. Um, and so I think James, Baldwin work, James Baldwin's work does a really good job of classifying that—not just for Black people. Like he talks about lots of different classifications of people, um, and his stories. Um, like I don't know if anybody's seen *If Bill Street Could Talk*. It's so good. Um, but I think one thing it does really, really nicely is show this immense love story within the confines of what their real lives are like and what they're really experiencing. And, that, and no way does that diminish the love story. Sometimes it shapes the experiences and it shapes what happens. But at no point am I like, oh, well, poor black people can only love this much if they were rich white people. This love story would be, like, their love would be different. The love is the same. It's the environment that's shaping their reality. And so I think that's really what we're trying to say. Um, With the show and like Tay was saying about like reaching back to your ancestors That's kind of where like I'm a black woman in America right now. So like my show is gonna be very black Um, Within they were still telling the story of homelessness, but I think it took us a while It took me a while and they say I've repeated this like a thousand times, but every time I forget Um, (laughs) But it took me a while to understand why I felt like the story still needed to be very black Um, But specifically African-American people, I think, are homeless people in the sense like we don't have a home country that wants to claim us wholeheartedly. Um, And sometimes I envy people who are like directly from African descent or feel like they can trace back to their home country because that... I don't know, I got, this is probably a really weird anecdote, but I got really sad after I, like, I love Black Panther, but after I watched it, I got really, really sad, because I was like, there's not really anywhere like this. Like, that's kind of, to me, that's the saddest part of the movie, is, movie. like, that place where, like, I feel like it feels like a home, or, like, where I came from, or I feel, Just like that connected the same way like a lot of black people felt connected to this like mythical place of wakanda doesn't exist for me like i don't i literally do not have that so as a black woman i am constantly trying to create that space for myself in a country that doesn't in anywhere it is it's, its creation made that space for me black people have constantly created that space for ourselves and often those spaces are defined as ghetto or hood or if we try to make our own new new traditions all of a sudden we're being ratchet. But it's just just traditions. It's just things that we're trying to pull from or find or connect to that we feel in our soul but we don't necessarily like, it's still partial. So like a lot of, for example in the show we do like this like partial fist which is like an iteration of the Black Power Fist but it's not fully completed because there's still that lack of foundation for us like we we deserve all of this feeling of power and this i don't know assertion of our humanity but it's been denied of us for so long so in in my mind african-american people are homeless
2: people
0: well as we wrap up uh would love for you all to let everyone know how to learn more about come hey uh learn more about skid and everything that they're going to experience during the production
3: Okay. Well, you can go to www
2: Who says My. www? I say it.
3: So I'm gonna say it. <laughs> okay. <Come laughs> dot for everything. And then um, we've got tabs for skid and all that stuff. Camille has made a beautiful website. She's fantastic. There's videos. There's pictures. Everything about us on there. Um, and then our Instagram and our Twitter, are K O M A N S E Dance. Um, we at K O M A N S E. Oh, I can't spell anymore. All right, you know what I'm saying? Come on, say. <laughs> um, and so, come on, sis. Uh, tickets are on sale now. If you DM us on Twitter or Instagram, we'll slide you the exclusive half off um, discount code for tickets. But you have to DM us. Um, yeah, that's. That's it, I think. The shows January 25th and 26th in Midtown come through. A portion of the ticket sales are being donated towards the Covenant House, which is a local shelter that services youth um, who are experiencing homelessness from 16 to 23. They're fantastic, we really want to showcase what they're doing. Um,
1: Where can they DM us?
3: They can DM us on Twitter and Instagram, or personally, if you can find us. Oh, you want us to give out our personal (laughs) handles? Just I don't even know mine. Okay. Um, on Twitter,
1: you go first. So I can figure out mine. On Instagram, you can DM me on, at Camille Cashmere. C-A-M-I-L-L-E-C-A-S-H-M-I-R.
2: Um, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and your friends' phones. I am Tippy Tay. That's t- <laughs> at T-I-P-P-E-Y-T-A-Y. And my Twitter, I can't change it because it got stuck
3: when I got verified. So just don't judge me. My Twitter is (laughs) lowercase f-r-e-e, uppercase, spirit, and that's all uppercase, underscore five, six, seven, eight. Yes, I am a dancer. Um, And then my Instagram is Rayana C. Brown. That one's easy. Um, But yeah, just reach out to us if you're interested in being involved in our next project or anything like that. We're on the up and up from here, so yes.
0: Komate, okay. dance, theater, Rihanna, Camille, Tanisha. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Dude, this is fun. This is great.